Hi guys, welcome to Psyched Convos on Psychology, Relationships, and Personal Growth. Um, I'm Nicole. And I'm Laura. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about defense mechanisms. So this uh, defense mechanisms uh, were really first brought up from Freud, who was a pretty, Sigmund Freud, who was a pretty well-known psychologist. He created psycho, he's the father of psychology. He created psychoanalysis. Um, what, when was he born? Like, or when did he kind of start out? Like 1900s or something like early 1900s, I would say something like that. Maybe a little like late 1800s is kind of when he was around. I mean, so he came up with the psychosocial, uh, five psychosexual stages, um, uh, of development, mm-hmm. um, he came up with <clears throat> the Oedipus complex. Oh yes, so um, he he was basically he did a lot of set a lot of foundation work for psychology, um, and he created these uh, created the term defense mechanisms, and this was defense mechanisms are psychological strategies that are unconsciously used to protect a person from anxiety arising from un- unacceptable thoughts or feelings, so. Um, they, so what's important to remember is that these operate at unconscious levels. So they are things that we do to protect ourselves when we're feeling anxious and they come from an unconscious place though. Um, so I can give, I'll give some examples of some of the more common defense mechanisms that we see and we can do, I can give examples to each one. So repression is a common one. Um, this is what keeps disturbing or threatening thoughts from becoming conscious. So a lot of times this is when someone, for example, maybe was molested as a child, something like that, and um, sometimes that doesn't even become caught into our conscious awareness until you're at a much older age. Um, and this would be to so yeah. so the reason that repression is used and like um, why these thoughts would be kept unconscious for so long is because our mind is waiting for us to be at a more healthy place in life at a more at a time where we can handle that sort of information so that's why a lot of times um, people don't remember things for years yeah so for example someone like they have an example here Mm -hmm. um let's say a man um was in a concentration camp you know in the Nazi Germany, whatever. And, uh, you know, but the, but the whole thing was so horrible that, you know, when he's out of it, he, do, he doesn't have much memory about it. He kind of, you know, just has bare kind of, you know, <clears throat> he knows he was there. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> uh, doesn't remember the exact experiences. A lot of times when I have clients, um, you know, and I'll ask him about, uh, what their childhood was like, when they start, when they say something like, you know, oh, I don't really remember much, you mm-hmm. know, or they, I don't have much memory, um, past, uh, before this the age. age of 10 or something like that. Um, but that it's pretty, t- you know, they might say, no, it's pretty normal, you know, uh, she usually indicates to me that something, something was up, something wasn't quite, because people don't necessarily have such a non-recollection of, of what happened in their life. You know, right. Obviously, when you're younger, you don't remember as much, but if it's very, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. can't remember much of it at all, that's sort of a sign that they're probably... Something happened. <laughs> repressing and, things. Well, and usually it's something traumatic. Yes. 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 
Um, okay, so another ex- common defense mechanism is denial. So blocking external events from your awareness. So I know an example of this is um, someone who, will, I guess, maybe re- refuses to believe that cigarettes are bad for you. Yes. Something like that. Or, like, let's say, you know, a husband and wife, maybe the wife dies. Or, or no, the wife is really sick, or mm-hmm. and they know that that's a, that's a terminal thing, but the husband keeps thinking Refuses that... Refuses to believe that. Yeah, that something's... That, no, really, she's not that sick. Uh, she'll be fine, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they kind of act as if it's... You know, right? Okay, yeah, and that's obviously coming of a place of protecting oneself from really like acknowledging that horrible thing that might you know happen. That might, yes. Um, another defense mechanism is projection. So this is placing one's own one's own thoughts and feelings onto another person. Um, so this is again, I'm going to bring this example back: cheating. <laughs> so um, if someone maybe. It has like it in them to cheat. They are wanting to cheat or think they're going to cheat. They might start putting that all on their partner and telling them like, oh, I think you're cheating or I believe that you're going to cheat. And it's actually because they themselves have that desire. Right. Right. Do you have any other examples? Uh, You know, if you, you really look at someone's behavior as absolutely horrible or whatever, um, sometimes that's an indication of something that you know, you're trying to hide from yourself, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. That is something you're capable of doing. Right. Um, And then another, the next uh, defense mechanism is displacement. So that's satisfying an impulse with a substitute object or person. So, um, for example, this could be if you, your boss said something really mean to you or negative to you and you were really upset and you wanted to, like, punch your boss or something like that, but instead you go home and, like, hit your wife or, like, kick your dog or something like that. So it's placing that anger and um, that response that you wanted to have, but you couldn't do it on that person or object or whatever, then you put that on someone else. There was a book called Don't Kick the Dog when I was doing my work with group homes. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, because kids often displace their anger on other people, and so they don't kick the dog, something like that. Well, it's a lot of times, too. Like, I think people, this is so easy to come up in, like, every day. Like, if you're frustrated with, like, you're you're traveling on vacation or something, and like the flight gets canceled, and you're all pissed off at the airline, but then you yell at your partner who you or your friends right. who you're with or whoever you're with. You and know, you usually do it to someone that's less threatening. So like right. a boss, if you yell at them you or get punch fired. them, you get fired. <laughs> right. But you know, you might feel like uh, there can't be much retaliation from a poor dog. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, next, the next uh, defense mechanism. Uh, is regression. So this is a movement back in psychological time under stress. So this would be like an adult who gets in a really stressful situation and all of a sudden starts sucking their thumb or something like that. Um, I think a good example is like when there's, um, <laughs> you know, you have one child. And oh. <laughs> they've been around for a couple of years and then you have a second child. And uh, the first child now, who has already pretty much been potty trained, starts wanting to wear a diaper again, mm-hmm. and you know because they are uh, feeling like they're they're missing. They're not the baby anymore. They're not the baby anymore. Yeah. So they regress. Well, it's also yeah, like like or like they finally were drinking out of like regular cups, but then they want to start having a bottle again. Drinking a bottle. Yeah, yeah. things like that. Um, and that's obviously again to I guess protect. I guess how would you how like 
what purpose does that serve? Yeah, I think that would be to, you know, maybe worrying that the parent now has somebody else to love and that they're going to lose that parent's love. Or, uh, and like, they're going to be replaced. They're going to be replaced, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, so then the next, another uh, common defense mechanism is sublimation. So this is satisfying an impulse with a substitute in a socially acceptable way. So uh, an example of this would be... Um, like someone who is very aggressive, wants to like beat up a bunch of people, so they go play football instead. Yeah. So they can get their anger and aggression out in this socially acceptable way. Right. Do you have another example? Yeah. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, I mean, I think artists, you know, painters or, you know, any kind of art. But what, would their, what would be their negative, what would be the impulse that they have to sublimate? <laughs> uh, it could be anger. You know, and then their like paintings. Uh, it could be dep- absolutely yeah. depression, anxiety. I mean, what comes to mind is Van Gogh's scream, yeah, thing. You know, and oh, kind of yeah. what is that? Uh, you know, what is he sublimating in terms of you know? And obviously, he cut off his ear and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so he had up. some issues. <laughs> yeah. So he was sublimating through art a lot through art. Well, I think, and it's like, isn't that? But this is an example of like a healthy one. I guess we shouldn't talk about it yet. But because like. I think a lot of times people always say find an outlet for if you're stressed or like something like that, like find an outlet that relieves that stress. And this is an example. That's like anything basically that relieves well, your that's anxiety. Well, definitely what Freud initially said that that out of all of them, that would be the healthier one to go to. Yeah. But I think there's probably healthier, there's healthy reasons for all of them. And then of course, negative ones, you know, right. so right. I think they might all have their time and place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes obviously if they are if you get stuck in them now they're they become a hindrance right <laughs> another common uh defense mechanism is reaction formation so this is expressing the opposite of one's true feelings so this is an example of this would be if someone's gay they and that but uh, inside they're gay but they act as if they're disgusted by gay people uh, and they hate gay people and something like that because it's the exact opposite of what they're actually feeling yeah Yes. Do you have another? Um, Could it be something like um, you hate, like, people who are really smart or educated, and it's because, like, you're not yes. able to educate yourself, or, like, you don't feel educated yourself. Educated or don't feel people smart. aren't all that. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. they're, like, or they're like too, they're conceited or, like, think too highly of themselves or something like that. Right. So right. it's actually because they're insecure about their maybe lower education or because they didn't feel like they did well in school yeah. or couldn't gonna get through school or something like that well kind of like you know the um when i was growing up the the kids that were let's say the bad kids were called the greasers yeah (laughs) and they were you know they kind of made that cool and you know and that it was not cool to be smart and to follow the rules and that kind of thing yeah that's their defense mechanism yeah yeah (laughs) join the greasers um Okay, cool. So those are some of the more common uh, defense mechanisms. There's a bunch more out there. Um, some are from Freud, but other uh, groups and ways of psychological psychological thinking have come up with more defense mechanisms. But these are just some of the really common ones that you're probably more likely to see and probably do. So I guess we can talk now about some of the common misconceptions around defense mechanisms. So one of the common misconceptions is that people do them on purpose. Um, and that can see, you know, some of the things I guess you could argue are on purpose in the sense of like the, um, 
the displacement one. So that was like coming home from work and kicking your dog. Like that is, I guess, on purpose because you did choose to take your anger out on that. But I don't know. What would you say to that? Well, I don't know that they specifically consciously say, I'm so angry, so I'm going to kick the dog. Right. Um, they don't realize that. I think that it's they're, sort of yeah. just a, it's a reaction, it's a reaction to, it's more reactive. It's Yeah, it's more automatic. It's more Yeah, reactive. okay. So yeah, so people can't really do them on purpose because it's a, so people don't do them on purpose because they're obviously at an unconscious level. Yeah. All right, so... Um, I guess another common misconception around defense mechanisms is that they are all bad. Or, yeah, yeah. So, but obviously there's a purpose for them, so I wouldn't say that they're bad necessarily. Obviously some of them are better than others, um, but the purpose of them is not bad. Yeah, well, you know, I think um, defense mechanisms, you know, they're to protect our psyche so we don't have a mental breakdown Mm -hmm. of some sort. Uh, so, so in some ways it's helps us, um, deal with certain things that we're not ready to deal with, uh, you know, right up front, uh, face to face and, and, and acknowledge. However, they can also then become a crutch, right? You know, so now they're preventing us from really dealing with what's truly going on for ourselves. Right. Um, so, and what's causing that actual right. problem, or what's causing the defense mechanisms to be needed and used in the first place. Right. You're kind of now avoiding fixing the root of that problem and solving that. Right. Instead of, instead you're using these defense mechanisms. Right. Which has their purpose in place, but I guess I, I would say, <laughs> okay. I guess I would say that they're not, um, you can't use them for forever. You eventually have to probably, I mean, not everyone does ever, you know, right, right. but what, if you want to become a more um, evolved, evolved uh, enlightened person, aware person, then you probably should um, start fixing those problems yes. <laughs> instead of using defense mechanisms. Um, well, would you say then that people who are enlightened officially or like, you know, have reached their their highest self, uh, don't use defense mechanisms then? Self-actualized. Ah, there we go. That's it, actually. <laughs> that that they don't use? Uh, Say that again? Yes, yes. So if once you become fully self-actualized or fully enlightened or fully aware and everything, you probably won't be using defense mechanisms at all then. Right, right. But as I think... Um, but no one's ever perfect and no one has ever reached that, right? Right, I think it's all on a continuum, you know. Right. You... You use less. <laughs> yeah, right. As time you know. goes on, or as you get into yeah. a better place yeah. state. Or you're, you, yes, exactly. Right. Um, so, where do these defense mechanisms originally come from? Okay, so I think we said this before, but Sigmund Freud was the one to uh, name these. Um, but he based it off of the conflict we have between our, and he named these three aspects to our personality, which is the id, the ego, and the superego. Um, and so the id is the more, so the id part of our personality Personality. is that impulsive part, the one that's really, uh, driven from our pleasure, uh, what we want, what we desire, the hedonistic part of us and, you know, without any boundaries of who it affects and anything like that. It's just all what, only what we 
want, no matter, regardless of anyone else. Right, right. Of other people's feelings or anything. And then we have the superego, which um, is that moralistic side of ourself that uh, we internalize what society says is the right thing to do and how we're, you know, that ideal self of how we're supposed to be and our value system, things like that. Our value system, Mm -hmm. right. And then... Uh, kind of like the angel and the devil on your shoulder. Yeah. Kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And these are both um, subconscious, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then the... Uh, and then we have the ego. And that's the... Um, <coughs> Conscious part of the personality. Right. And it mediates between the id and the superego. Right. Um, so it helps us get our needs met. But also within in the bounds a, of society, <laughs> within the bounds of society, exactly, right, 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 right. So that's the ego, that's the mediator. So that's where these defense mechanisms originate from in the in the in its original form. But today, um, well, and actually, what we were saying is the defense mechanisms are the it's the they come from when there's a conflict between the id and the superego, right? When they're conflicting with each other, and then. Um, and then, so that's, like, basically, that's the same as, and then, that's, like, I mean, I guess it's just what's caught, it causes anxiety and causes stress for us when these, when the id and the superego are clashing. Yes. And our ego doesn't, our self doesn't know what to do, so they come out in these defense mechanisms. Yeah, it reduces our, our anxiety when we have unacceptable thoughts and feelings and parts of ourselves right yeah and they go against society. they go against society and and that yes mm-hmm. so there's yes so it comes down to a lot it seems like accepting yourself too like if you don't accept yourself <clears throat> and don't believe that society accepts who you are then you're probably going to be more likely to uh, display some of these defense mechanisms and a lot of times people think that they <clears throat> shouldn't have those negative uh sides to them mm-hmm. and a big part um, you know, nowadays, I don't know what it was back then, but that we have to learn to accept that we have all sides. Yeah. You know, it's not like we can be we all only have that, that good side. And even with that, that other side that we're still worthy and acceptable, um, people, pe- people, yeah. yeah, beings. Right. Um, so are these, defense mechanisms do we why are some used over others is it dependent just on the situation is it dependent on the person or what do you what would you say to that i i again i think it probably is both yeah <laughs> yeah it's probably dependent on the situation um the person what they what type of mechanism they gravitate toward you know uh maybe uh, what exactly, you know, are they experiencing depression, anxiety, whatever, whatever specific issue. And that can alter Symptom which one they're experiencing. chosen to. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Should we try not to do them? So um, going into, I think, because we did say that they are helpful at for certain purposes. Ser- they serve their purpose um, to help reduce anxiety. So it kind of seems like they could be good, but obviously some of them are not very healthy. And even the ones that are healthy, like the sublimation one where you could take out your um, anxiety and whatever in sports or art, they still are covering up something. Right. Or there, there's a reason that you're doing it, even if it could be a productive manner, 
there's still something that you probably would want to um, fix or solve or get to that root of that problem <clears throat> and not have to use a defense mechanism, right? Right, right. It's really, it's they're usually used to avoid feeling pain, mm-hmm. psychological pain. Um, and in the case of, let's say you were abused, severely abused as a child, sometimes, so for example, repression, um, that helps, you know, there there's use for them if when when you're a child you don't have the um, tools mm-hmm. the the emotional capacity the tools to actually deal with what's going on and right. so repression is a way to preserve and save that help that person survive mm-hmm. until they're older and they're able to now take care of themselves and deal with know, this and deal with it and it usually starts um, becoming more prominence because typically after having that experience you know later in life they um, struggle with maybe relationships or um, anxiety or depression or addiction or whatever and um, so they can no longer so now that repression of those feelings no longer uh, work for them you know and they have to get to the core of why they're actually um, struggling in this way right and then can deal with that yeah um how, so if we're now we're going to try to stop using these defense mechanisms as you grow and as you evolve, you want to kind of get to that higher being, um, the better version of yourself where you don't have to use these defense mechanisms. So how do you then handle what originally caused you to use those defense mechanisms in the first place? So like, as you said, how do you handle that stress and anxiety of realizing that trauma that you had or like if you have anger or aggression like how do you deal with that in a more healthy way well it's always about facing what actually what the deeper core you know when we have anger or anxiety or whatever that's sort of a surface um a surface of the symptoms right 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 and when you take when you address those initially, it's, it's a symptom, like, not a what's cause. Yeah, symptom, not a cause. Yeah, it's right. a symptom. So all these things are symptoms, not not causes. Um, right. So we have to kind of keep pulling back the layers. It's sort of like a layers of an onion. You mm-hmm. gotta, you know, if you start addressing, I've had clients who you know they've learned to address their anxiety and now all of a sudden depression is arising uh-huh. because they've taken away you know they've learned how to manage it and not right. not um you know fall under its uh but they haven't gotten well, to the root of what has caused their anxiety they only fixed well yeah the... so it's 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 truly you know whatever Whatever is causing them to use that defense mechanism, they have to, be, obviously, they have to become aware of that that problem that first, thought, the cause, the, the cause, right? Um, that may be anxiety, but as you look deeper underneath each of those layers, you get closer to the core of what really happened, and typically that does come down to. <laughs> What's what they've experienced in their childhood? Yeah, right. So <laughs> you know, as much as people don't think their childhood affects them, it actually 
is kind of the core root the main, of pretty much everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that makes sense. That's when everything's getting formed. Unless there's been an accident and you've had brain damage, you know, mm-hmm. at, in your 20s or something like that. But right. other than that, I mean... I mean, everything's, like, formed in your childhood, so it would only make sense right, that right. it's causing... It's trying to uncover something that happened in your childhood. Right. Yeah. Right. So. <clears throat> All right. Well, I think we're touched on everything for this, so... Um, yeah, unless you have anything else you would like to add. Uh, I think that's good, I guess. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's, that's a wrap. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Psyched Combos on Psychology, Relationships, and Personal Growth. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating or review. It would be really, really appreciated. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend about us. We would love to continue to grow the podcast as much as possible. Um, We also would love to hear any feedback that you guys have or any questions related to the episode. So please send any of that to psychedconvos at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Instagram and Facebook at at psychedconvos. And we're on Twitter at podcast underscore psyched. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you next week.